My name is Milian Mori and welcome to our podcast, Warrior Family. We are a family of successful entrepreneurs, visionaries, hustlers, and leaders. We are compassionate, loving, fearless, and determined. We fight for love, profits, and a better world. And this podcast was made for future leaders, entrepreneurs, world changers, and families all over the world. We gained our wealth by running one of the best network marketing companies in Europe and successfully coaching and speaking empire. Our stories, tips will show you that everything is possible. And this podcast includes all the best sales, marketing, relationship, personal growth, and health advice you can get and interviews with the most successful people in the world. Our motto is, my business is not my family. My family is my business. And we are here to show you how to have it all. Hi, everybody. This is Warrior Family. I'm Smilian Mori. Uh, my friends, you are all here because you believe that we can create and live the life that we deserve and the life that is worth living. And the goal of my show is to bring you some guests, uh, their belief system, their habits to help you to live the life that is worth living. And today I have a special guest. She's also my friend. She spoke at the Big U Academy Wake Up event in Slovenia in front of 1,500 people. Uh, she hypnotized everybody in the room and we had great experience uh, she is the celebrity hypnotherapist creator of the instant hypnotherapy transformation we will talk about it and she is author of many books you can become thin you you can be thin you can be thin you can be young you can be young and you can get pregnant i'm glad you're using them all yeah <laughs> and i read them all because we had this problem with the, i know wife. i remember so, Marisa, so well welcome to my show and let's jump quickly into the biggest disease that is affecting humanity and this is i am not enough exactly i heard from your husband that you you, you, you will run the, the events, I am enough. Yeah, we're now, I'm enough is such an important message. I'm not enough lies behind every addiction. You know, I've been working with addicts, drug addicts, uh, alcoholics, bingers, compulsive shoppers for many years. I've never met one ever who felt they're enough. I've worked with rock star drug addicts, multimillionaire alcoholics who have everything except I'm enough. So it's been my message for several years. And people really like it. So now we're doing I'm Enough Day. We're going to be giving away I'm Enough t-shirts and, you know, I have little bracelets and badges. But it really is a global message that is changing the world because so many people go to a doctor and they have a, what I call a present. Here's my problem. You know, I eat too much, shop too much, buy too much, drink too much. But that's not the problem. The problem is what lies inside. I just don't feel enough, so I need more. More alcohol, more pain pills, more drugs, more money. And so if you just treat the presenting symptom, you never really make people better. But when you really peel away and treat the feeling of not being enough, then you change someone's life forever no medication is required. So what are some destructive behaviors that we do when we feel that we are not enough? Okay, well, let's look at somebody like Amy Winehouse or Whitney Houston. Here are two girls with immense talent, beauty, uh, extraordinary gifts. But you see, when you're a little girl and your parents fight or leave, especially in Amy's case, when her father left her mother, when she was very little, a child will always think, but if I was enough, how could my dad go? If I was enough, why do my parents fight? When you're a small child, if you work out, oh, he's my dad and he's an alcoholic, it's really scary. But if you think, well, it's my fault my dad's like that because I'm not smart enough, good enough, nice enough, then you try hard to change and you feel somewhat in control of it. But the problem is that once you start to think it must be my fault, my mom's always crying, it must be my fault, my dad's always in the pub, it must be my fault, my parents always fight. Once a child buys that, they don't ever give it up. And so someone like Amy, for instance, was treated for um, bulimia. She was treated for alcoholism, she was treated for drug addiction, and she was treated for depression but she was never treated for her real problem. Beneath all of those issues was the real thing. I just don't believe I'm good enough. I don't think I'm worth it. 
And if you have a belief that says, I'm not worth it, when you get awards, you have to debase them. You have to ruin it all. It's like people who don't think they're worth money and win the lottery will get rid of it all. A lot of lottery winners go bankrupt within three years. Because if your underlying belief is, I'm not good enough, I could con you into having a relationship with me. If you really know me, you'll get so bored with me. So if I meet someone who likes me, I've got to ruin that relationship as fast as I can because I've got to make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. So we look at many superstars like the comedian um, Robin Williams, Heath Ledger. What a beautiful talent. Think, why would they kill themselves? They had everything. No, they didn't. They didn't have the one thing that makes life worth living. I'm enough. You see, when you know you're enough, when I know I'm enough, you know I'm enough. I don't have to work for you to do that. So many of my clients, especially young girls, they try to earn love. They chase love. They run after love. They work so hard to make some boy, some idiot boy, or a parent, or a mother, or a boss think they're good enough. And no one teaches them, listen, why don't you work on you? Why don't you believe you're enough? And then the idiot boy will be at your feet. Don't run after love. Love isn't to be chased, earned, or worked for. Put all that energy into yourself, and then your world will change so dramatically because we try so hard to make other people like us mm -hmm. when actually the, 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 the thing you have to do is to really like yourself. Mm. And it's much easier, and it's certainly easier than trying to make other people like you because when you're little, you have what I call unmet needs. Mm -hmm. I need to feel safe, but my dad's in the pub and I'm not safe. He comes home and breaks the furniture. I need to have money, but my mum is always crying because she can't pay the bill, so I don't have money. I need to feel smart, but my mum's always saying, well, your brother, oh my God, he, he could write before you and he's smarter than you. So we get these unmet needs. And when we're little, we have a belief, well, I can't meet these needs, I'm only three and no one else can meet the needs. And then we tag on something interesting. My unmet needs will never be met. And then we go out into the world and go, I need to find someone to meet my unmet needs. And there isn't anyone. There's no one in the world that can meet all your needs. But when you start to meet some of them yourself, your life becomes truly extraordinary. And I know that because I've worked with thousands and thousands of clients. I have 2,000 people I've trained in my method of rapid transformational therapy. And the thing I hear more than anything else when I train people or see clients is, wow, you did more for me in an hour than I've had in 10 years of psychotherapy. Even doctors say, you know, I went through medical school, I learned a lot, but I never learned that I'm enough. Mm -hmm. It's behind everything and now I'm training doctors four or five times a year. I just taught at the Royal College of Medicine in London, the Royal Society of Medicine in New York, because people want to know, oh, there is a way. You can't medicate feelings away, mm -hmm. and you can't hide them, but you can change them. And when you change your feelings, especially when you start to really invest in I'm Enough, everything changes. So now we have a product called I'm Enough, and people buy it, they listen to it. And just like putting lotion on very, very dry skin, it goes in and it really starts to nourish people from the inside out. And we've seen remarkable, remarkable results from I'm Enough. How can we raise our kids in this state of mind that yeah. they are enough? Because Such a like good question. You, you are describing all the, all, the, all the things that I'm also doing I with know. my kids. Like, you didn't do that, he knows this, you don't know this, you didn't yeah. learn. It's well, shit. You know, one Just, of the, we are doing these yeah. mistakes, but you know. I know. You know, all teachers say we love individuals, but they really don't. You go to school and they go, well, look at John. You know, he can write so neatly. Look at Susie. She can add up and you can't. And we start to make our children compare themselves. And in fact, when your ch children come home from school, let's say that's their report card and you look at it, you should say, not well. You've got all B's and C's. You go, do you like school? Is it fun to learn? Are you enjoying it? And you say things like, look, darling, it doesn't matter if you're not good at writing. You're good at art. It doesn't matter if you're not good at maths. You're good at story reading. 
And instead of nurturing the individual, we, we treat children as a herd, and it's incredibly wrong. And my father was a visionary in education. He always said, you must never mark achievement, you must mark effort, because some children work mm. harder, but they don't get the effort that naturally bright children get, get all the prizes for no effort. They just coast through life. And the most important thing with children is two things. Praise them a lot, but not, oh, you're amazing. Yes, and yes. When you see them working, go, it's so good that you apply yourself. I love the fact that you're so neat. Mm -hmm. I really love to see you get engrossed in your drawing and how nice that is but also teach them to praise themselves. My little mm -hmm. girl would walk into the room in a summer dress and snow boots mm -hmm. and go, Mummy, what do I look like? And I would say, what do you think? She said, well, I think I look amazing. I said, well, that's what counts, what you think. Because we don't want our daughters to go, am I okay? Do I look all right? Neediness is not attractive. We want our daughters to go, I feel great about myself. Mm -hmm. And if you like me too, that's good. And if you don't, well, it's okay because I like me and so really little things like when you're around the breakfast table with your children you should say to them why do you like yourself and they go I like myself because I'm funny or nice or kind just simple things when they come in from school say what did you do today that was nice mm -hmm. I lent my friend a pencil and go well that's good you learned to share and and if they don't know what they did that was nice say well I saw you did a nice thing today you helped mummy and just, you just need to build up their self-esteem because I can promise you one thing as a parent, you succeed as a parent to the degree that your child has high self-esteem. You may be mm. buying organic apricots and puring avocados and having Wi-Fi switched off at night and that's all lovely. But if you do not raise children with high self-esteem, unfortunately you haven't done the job you're meant to do. When I was bringing up my daughter, there weren't any courses, but now there are how to put self-esteem in children. Ask them, what are you good at? Mm -hmm. So look, your sister's great at swimming, but you know, you're great at drawing. We're not supposed to all be the same. We're supposed to be good at something. And every child has a gift, and their gift may be a very unusual gift, mm -hmm. but just important to praise them and believe in them, but even more, get them to praise and believe in themselves. You know, I made a big mistake with my daughter. I didn't realize how much I should have made her independent early on. But I see now that that's another job a parent must do, make your children independent mm -hmm. and self-sufficient. And when they like themselves, they do so well. I'll give you an example. Somebody wrote to me and said, my son was so badly bullied. I mean, really traumatically bullied. He's an army kid, we're always moving. And I just taught him I'm enough, I bought your program. And I just did it with him. And he, one day he went into school and the bullies, they had to write their name. And they said, write, I'm an idiot and a retard. And he took his pen, he went, you can write that. I've got something else. And he wrote right across his book, I am enough. And they just left him alone because his energy changed. Mm -hmm. And so with a lot of, we, we have a program we give away to schools that help mm -hmm. both bullied children, but also the bullies. It's huge. Bullies never feel good enough. I mean, how could you get pleasure from hurting other kids? unless you're hurt, because mm. hurt people hurt people, and damaged people damage people. But if you start early raising self-esteem, you can make a massive dent in bullying. That is some powerful thing. Mm, it's very powerful. Is it possible that we also overachieve because of this feeling that we are not enough, oh, that we absolutely. are successful? Like, I was the best uh, student in the police cadet school, sure. I was the best in the... Uh, faculty of law, yeah. high school, uh, like uh, uh, what was the, the high school of the internal mm -hmm. affairs, but I was craving my father's attention of and course. love. And many, many people, there's nothing wrong with being ambitious and striving to be the best, but if it's making you sick, if it's giving you an ulcer, if you're not sleeping, if you're driven to do it with no reward, you have to stop and think, who am I doing this for my dad? He's been dead for seven years, and even if he's here, he's a withholder. He's never going to go, you're a great son. So tell yourself you're a great son. Look in the room and say, I'm a great daughter. I'm a good person. Don't wait for parents who haven't done it for 35 years. They're not going to. And even if they did, you know what? It wouldn't mean anything because the most important words you ever hear in your entire life 
are the words you say to yourself. Mm -hmm. And the most important opinion is yours. Like if you went to a woman and went, oh, Smillion, that suit, oh my God, it looks amazing. You know they have an agenda. They're trying to sell you stuff. Mm -hmm. And your mind knows too. They'll never say you're the best, you're the greatest. By the way, could you stay behind and help me with this extra work? But when you say it, I'm the best, I'm a good person, I'm a nice person, I'm kind, I have a gift, I have a talent, I can speak to people, I've got something of value to offer the world, your mind doesn't go, who are you trying to kid? Mm -hmm. It just goes, okay, especially if you say it a lot, because one of the rules of the mind are, the mind learns by repetition. In I'm enough, I break down all the rules of the mind, mm -hmm. what they do, how they work, how to make them work for you, and how particularly to apply them to I'm enough. And in my rapid transformational therapy, where we train therapists, the whole training is based on specific rules of the mind. Because here's a rule of the mind. Your mind listens to whatever you say, and then like a missile, like a laser, it moves towards your words. In fact, every word you say becomes a blueprint mm -hmm you are forced to move towards. You go, I've got a mind like a sieve. I forget everything. That's a blueprint. Now you must act in a way that matches that image because your mind must act in a way that, that complies with how you describe yourself. When you switch that to my mind's amazing, so dependable, mm -hmm. I remember everything, then you move towards that image. So how much we can do with the, with the affirmations? Like these are affirmations or how do you call it? I don't like affirmations. Don't? I call them yeah. statements of truth. Doesn't okay. that sound better? Statement of, of truth. Okay. I'm lovable. Mm -hmm. I'm enough. I'm smart. Mm -hmm. I'm interesting. I have something to offer. Mm -hmm. An affirmation is life's a walk in the park and the sun is always shining. Mm -hmm. Really? Well, last time I was in the park, it was raining. Yes. I stepped in some dog mess and I ruined my shoes and my hair got all frizzy. And when you tell yourself stuff like that, you mm -hmm. always get disappointed mm -hmm. because your mind knows it's not true. It's like when you go, well, I'm a goddess. You go, really? But you share an apartment. You don't even have a car. When does a goddess live? I'm a rock star. Mm -hmm. Oh, but you don't have any money in the bank. You see, the, the thing with I'm enough is its strength is in its simplicity mm -hmm. and its honesty mm -hmm. and its truth. When you say I am enough, your mind goes, of course. You always have, have you ever seen a newborn baby go, don't look at me, mm -hmm. my diaper's leaking, or, oh, I've got milk spots, I'm having a bad hair day. You know, you run to get a little baby they could have thrown up, they can have stuff running out of their diaper, but they still think they're gorgeous. Until we go, oh, no, you, you don't look right today. And so every baby is born knowing they're enough. You have too. You know that when you lean into the crib and tickle a little tummy. They don't turn away, they smile at you, and they go, everyone's celebrating me because I'm enough. And so the very good news is we're born knowing we're enough. We bury that under other people's stupid beliefs, but you can get it back, you can reactivate mm -hmm. and remanifest. It's actually incredibly easy. That's why what I do is so powerful because it taps into a truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The truth is you are enough. You always have been. You certainly always will be. But you have to believe it before anyone else can believe it. Wow. Why we are so dependent on the opinion of other people? Well, because and that's what, what we're taught. Will, will think or mm. say about us. Well, this is, this, I think this is the, the second. If this is the first disease in the world, I'm not yeah, enough, yeah. then the, the, the opinion of other people, what they think and say about us is the yeah. second one. Well, it starts at school. You know, here's the thing. When we're born on the planet, we have two things that make sure we will survive. We must find connection and we must avoid rejection. It doesn't matter if you're a baby giraffe or a baby you. You know that if you find if you can find connection and avoid rejection, you will live. So when you're very little, if your mother rejects you, if the teacher doesn't like you, if your brother and sister gang up on you, they threaten your survival. So 
we are after all dependent children. We're not independent, we are mm -hmm. dependent and we're dependent on other people to make it. So we're wired from tribal times to need other people to like us because mm -hmm. we'll die without it. The thing is, once you get to your teens, you're not going to die if your friend doesn't like you. You know, we used to live in walled cities and, and our strength came from numbers. We, walked, we, we were in a group and with numbers we survived. Now you can live in an apartment, you can have cats and dogs, you can have your grocery store, but you can never see anyone mm -hmm. and you could live till you're 110. But we still feel this feeling, I'll die if you reject me. <laughs> no, you won't. You'll get stronger. But you know, for women especially, if you went back 500 years ago, you're a hunter-gatherer, and your guy died out spearing a wild beast, you would die. Who's going to raise your children? Who's going to feed you? So in our evolutionary psychology, we have this fear, I'll die if you don't like me. And we try to get over it by buying stuff and going to the gym and having our hair done or getting a nicer car or trying to impress people. And what you should do is impress upon your mind, look, I know you think I'm going to die from rejection. I'm not. Actually, it's going to make me stronger. And if you can dialogue with yourself and go, okay, I've just been dumped. I feel a bit sad. It's not going to kill me. It's, that was a starter relationship. The next one is going to be way better. Then it does make you stronger. It's just an evolutionary way to protect ourselves. And it's a bit like standing at the top of a building that's hundreds of feet high and looking down. And even though the plate glass is that thick, when you look down, your stomach drops and your mind goes, get away from the edge, you fool. You could die. But you can't die. And you have to go back and go, no, it's safe. This is there's a big window and I'm okay. And then the fear goes away. We have to dialogue with ourselves. Hmm. You know, we're taught how to Good communicate. Days. Yeah, we're always taught how to communicate with other people. And we'll learn things like, you know, your success in business is down to your communication skills. No, your success is down to how you communicate with you. So before you go to a meeting, you should take a few minutes and go, I've got a very valuable product to sell here and I'm really good at communicating and this product is amazing and these people are going to like me and I know what to say. And if you dial it and go, I want to be confident, calm, composed and remember everything, then you'll go in and be really good at selling. But first you have to dialogue with yourself before you dialogue with a guy you want to invest in you or fund you or buy your stuff. Dialogue with yourself. You know, there's something really interesting. Remember, your mind is always doing its job. Mm -hmm. If you say to your mind, oh God, I'm so scared I'm going to mess it up. I'm so worried they won't like me. I'd do anything not to. I wish I hadn't put that meeting in. Your mind goes, you don't want to go? why don't I just give you a massive panic attack so you can go home? Because it's doing its job. You know what you have to do? Do your job. Tell your mind what you want. Don't tell it what you don't want. I want to be calm, confident, composed. I want to have a compelling sales pitch. I want this girl I'm taking on a date to think I'm the best thing ever, just to be warm and myself. Don't go... I know she won't like me. Girls just like guys with money. I don't have any. Oh, I'm a single parent. What's the point in dating? They won't like me. You know, you're setting yourself up to fail. So before you impress someone else, impress what you want on yourself. And then you can only win. Wow. You know, I work with many salespeople mm. and they are killed because of the fear of their rejection. Yeah, I and know. And also coaches that I mm. train. You know, they, they have these certifications, yeah. everything, and at the end, <coughs> they are afraid to charge fees. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse you, me. You, can, you have water. Yeah. So uh, I work with many salespeople and coaches. And what I see, because I can train them all the soft skills, how sure. to pitch, how to pick up the phone, how to make uh, the appointment, but at the end of the day, they are afraid of the rejection. They lack confidence. Yeah. What, what, what is the, the solution? Here? We work with coaches mm -hmm. all the time who can't sell, who can't ask for the right fees, who keep doing it for nothing, 
who just can't, they have what's called imposter syndrome. They've got the certificate, but they just can't do it. And it's because they fear rejection. But nobody can reject you unless you give them your consent, which you never mm -hmm. have to give. And so we made a great product called the Confident Coach. Confident Coach. The Confident Coach. I think we could make it available to your audience mm -hmm. at a discount if they'd like it. We'll give you a special yes. link. But the Confident Coach is for coaches, but also yoga teachers, masses, therapists, anyone who's in the business of helping people be able to be confident. So a lot of people say, I, I can't coach that person, they earn more money than me. Or, you know, I'm a health coach, I don't go to the gym, I'm a relationship coach without a relationship. And they, they feel like they're a fraud. And to be a coach, you have to have extraordinary self-belief. You see, self-esteem means what I think of me. I could say, Smillion, I hold you in the highest esteem. But self-esteem is what I think of me. And my clients can't give me self-esteem. My bank account got, can't give me self-esteem. The number on the scales can't give me self-esteem. The labels but in my think, clothes. But I can give it to myself. And the confident coach can definitely give you un unshakable self-esteem. So we'll make that available at a special price for anyone out there who'd want to be a phenomenal coach or therapist or healer. Because... You know, when, when you help people, you know what you're selling? You're selling freedom mm -hmm. and empowerment. That's a fantastic gift. People should pay for you to change their life, but they go, oh, I, I don't feel right charging. And if you don't feel right, your clients won't feel right. Do we believe that massive bank account will make us more confident and give us more self-esteem. Well, I should go back and ask Robin Williams that. Or, I, I mean, we know so many people that would, Whitney Houston, would she say that? She had a massive bank account. We see people, I mean, I have clients who live on yachts in Monaco, in Florida, who are billionaires, and they're all on antidepressants. And so we have this belief, it's the weather, it's my body, it's the bank mm -hmm. account. But you know, only last month, Kate Spade and that wonderful chef, is it Anthony Beret? Well, they both committed suicide, no, so... Right, right. Sorry? Really? Yeah, I mean, that happened. Michael Jackson, I mean, there's someone with a talent. I mean, what a talent that boy had. He was off the wall. He was extraordinary, gifted, wealthy beyond his wildest dreams, and he threw the whole thing away. It's what I call the self-destructiveness of talent. Because talent without self-belief, it's nothing. You're better off to have belief without talent than talent without belief. But if you have the confident coach or I'm enough, you have talent and belief and then you are unstoppable, which is nice. Which is nice, yeah. What are some of the most common beliefs of highly successful people? Mm. I'm worth it. I'm worth That's it. That's the most common. I am worth it. I deserve it. I'm mm. good enough. And you see, I work with a lot of people, Olympic athletes, royalty. You know, I was watching Meghan and Harry get married last month, and there's a girl who believes she's worth it. She doesn't go, I'm divorced, I'm mixed race, I'm American. How can I join this royal family? She walked down the aisle. And she was saying, you know, you're lucky to have me. I'm bringing something new and fresh. And she was very inspiring, Barack Obama. We like people who say, I've got something to offer the world. And it's very, it's people are very reassured by confidence. You know, we're all scared that we're going to come across as arrogant. But if you're on a flight and you hit turbulence, you want a confident pilot. If you're sick, wouldn't you like a really confident doctor go, oh, I'm the best doctor in New York. I'm going to make you better. You don't want to go, well, I don't want to brag. You know, I'm sort of okay sometimes, but, you know, <laughs> he's better than me. We don't want our kids' teacher to go, well, I'm not the best. You know, I have good days. We want them to go, I'm the best teacher, and I'm going to give you back your kid in a year's time, ra radiating confidence and talent. You know, we pay for that, and yet we're so scared of saying I've got a gift, I've got a skill, this is what I'm good at. 
So my clients who are really good have something interesting. They're good at one thing. They go, I'm the best chef, the best surgeon, the best pilot, the best coder. They don't go, I'm also happen to be fantastic at feng shui and I'm a cordon bleu chef and I feng shui'd my garden. I'm also a dress designer in my spare time and I film movies because the minute you do that, you dilute your talent. So my clients are the best, have some interesting things. They tell you they're the best without skipping a beat. Oh, I happen to be the best at this. They only have to be good at one thing and they don't mind other people being good. So for instance, I'm good at what I do. I have one PA called Rosie who is so good at writing. She's better than me. I say, Rosie, write this copy. I don't pass it off. I don't pretend because I don't need to have that skill. I've got another skill. I fix people. And people who are really good at what they do will surround themselves with other talent, mm -hmm. but they don't feel insecure. So look at what you're good at and tell people. After all, didn't your kid come in and go, Daddy, you know, I did this and I was really good at it. Until you go, don't get ahead of yourself. Who do you think you are? Stop bragging. They'll tell you what they're good at. And it's very important. You know, I've made a lifetime of studying human behavior, seeing what people who have success naturally do and showing people that you may not have it naturally, but you can have it unnaturally. One of the things that successful mm -hmm. people do is they praise themselves mm -hmm. a lot. And that may feel very unnatural to mm -hmm. you, but you know what? If you do it enough, it becomes natural. You know, when I first wore lenses, jabbing my finger in my eye, that did not feel natural. Isn't it called narcissism? <laughs> what? <laughs> Praising yourself too much is like you are na narcissoid. Narcissist. Okay. Narcissist, no. yeah. I mean, if you don't praise yourself, when other people do it, it doesn't work. What's wrong with praising? Don't you say that to your children? You're mm -hmm. a good boy. You're a good girl. Thanks for helping mommy. Or you did that so nicely. Mm -hmm. When you have a baby, don't you hold it and go, oh, I love you. Don't go, well, you're okay. I mean, you're not bad. We know how to nurture tiny babies. We fill them up with praise. Mm -hmm. And then we, start, we praise our cats and dogs. Oh. I love you, look at you. We call them good boy and good girl. And then we have this belief that it's not good, it's very good. There is nothing that will make your self-esteem grow like praise, mm -hmm. and there is nothing that will make it wither away like criticism. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid of praise. All people who are successful praise themselves. Imagine if you're an Olympic athlete, you wouldn't go, I'm going to try for the gold, but I'm not going to get it because I'm rubbish, really. I mean, I don't even know how I got into the finals. I'm so useless. When you're training, you have to go, I'm getting a gold. I'm the fastest. I'm the best. You know, Muhammad Ali said something. He said, I told myself I was the greatest before I even knew I was. And then something extraordinary happened. I became the greatest. What a concept. Arnold Schwarzenegger said, modesty is not a word that applies to me in any way at all. I hope it never does. We shouldn't teach people to be modest. We, we can teach people that everyone gets praise. But when I work in my therapy, rapid transformational therapy, I see clients that are so damaged because they were not praised until they began to believe that praise was not available to them. And then they get to a level when you go, I like your shoes. They go, oh, they're old. They've got a hole in them. They go, I, I saw your talk. They go, it's terrible. Did you notice? I missed a bit. No, but it was great. And if you deny people praise, then when they get it, they have to diminish it and add in criticism. And so it's a mistake to believe that praise makes us arrogant. Praise makes us grow. And if we look at people we really like, like Olympic athletes, they have to praise themselves to get out of bed and run in the snow and mm -hmm. practice at 5 a.m. They have to believe in themselves. It isn't enough just to have a coach. I mean, here we are in the middle of the World Cup. Do you think those footballers go, well, not really yeah. any good, but I'll give it a go. They have to go you with watch, the you best. Watch of course. You watch, yeah. yeah, we're you watching England. England. Yeah. And, you know, they, they've been very guilty of not believing in themselves mm -hmm. enough. But this time they're better. But, you know, if you do not believe in yourself as an athlete, nobody else will. Mm -hmm. 
You know, the Vikings didn't go out with their helmets on and burn their boats and go, let's have a go and see what we can do. They went, the only way home is straight through our enemies. And that's smart. You, you can't make it thinking, well, let's see, if only, I hope. Because when you say to the mind, I hope I do it, it says, you already don't believe you have a chance. When you go, I will do it. See, here's something I love. The words that follow I am, follow you. Say, I am a loser. I am worthless. I am feeble. I am nothing. And you become that. Those words follow you. Say, I am amazing. I am enough. I'm great. I'm talented. And they follow you. The words you put after I am, the words that go after I am, go after you. So why don't you make those words amazing? Because your mind doesn't care if what you tell it is right or wrong, good or bad, true or false, healthy or unhealthy. Since it doesn't care, mm -hmm. you can't afford the luxury of saying, I'm an idiot, when you could say, I'm amazing. Because your mind doesn't care. <laughs> so you might as well say, and that's, everything. that's the premise of I'm enough. We fill people up with praise and self-belief. We shatter. All those old lies that hurt them, we banish and eliminate and get rid of all that old stuff. I'm enough. The program is a bit like having a detective and a dentist mm -hmm. in your living room. The detective will go to work and find information about why do you do that to yourself? And then the dentist part will extract it, like they extract a bit of mercury and toxic stuff and put you back together better and send you out with a dazzle so you can dazzle the world. Marisa, let's talk about money. This is the topic that people like to avoid. Money is not important, the health is important, but at the end of the day, money is important. What are some money beliefs limiting? Or? Yeah, well, money is very important. And we also have a relationship with money that forms very early on. You know, we learn half of what we learn in our life before mm. we're five. And our character is pretty much shaped by the time we're seven. And so when I went to school, here's an example, I went, my brother went to a fee-paying school and I didn't. And my brother would come home with his homework and it would say, you own seven companies and you sell three. How many have you got left? Well, the answer is four. But there was a message there, you have seven. You sell three, you've got four left and all the money. My homework said, you have three apples. Give two away, how many have you got left? One. But I've given them away, I haven't invested anything. And at a very early age, we need to teach children about money. You should never say, I can't find the money. Where's the money coming from? We don't have money. Money doesn't grow on trees. Because children, they get in a panic. Well, I can't find money. You don't find money. You, you earn it. You create something of value that people give you value for. And when you say, oh, rich people, they're all evil. Money is the root of evil. Actually, not having money is the root of evil, keeping people poor. There's enough to go around for the whole world. And so as a parent, look at what you say to your children. Money doesn't grow on trees. People sell their soul for money. If you pursue money, you'll always be unhappy. Don't say that. Say to your children, we're wealthy. My little girl said, Mommy, are we rich? I go, oh, darling, we're so rich. I was a single parent. I wasn't rich, but I never told her that. I'd say, we're rich. We're so wealthy. Look at what we've got, a bed to sleep in, a home to live in. We have heating. We have water. I always told her we were wealthy and abundant and rich. And then I became immensely wealthy, abundant and rich because I would not allow myself a poverty mindset, even... When I was struggling as a single parent, I always believed I was wealthy and abundant and I would make myself feel wealthy. And of course, if you feel it, your mind goes ahead and achieves it. And so when you feel poor and you're in that poverty mindset, you won't fix that with money. I've worked with lottery winners who've won $15 million and they've lost the whole lot within two years and they're back earning $400 a week doing the job. And they go, well, I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't like that. I was on a train once and I was in first class because my clients mm -hmm. paid my train fare. 
and these two guys got on the train. They went, oh no, we're with all the poshies. We don't want to be in here. And they ran back to um, the standard coach. And they felt very uncomfortable being in first class. And that's not good because one of the things of the mind, it's the most vexing thing if you don't know how to work your mind, is the mind likes what is familiar. Mm -hmm. It would like to run back to what's familiar. It's an old tribal behavior. In a tribe, you didn't wander off and say, let's go and find another tribe because they might eat you. You stayed. You ate the same stuff. You did the same thing. You married someone in the tribe and you shut the walled city at night and everyone stayed inside and familiar kept you safe. And all these years later, our mind has a belief, familiar is safe, unfamiliar is not safe. And as strange as it may sound, if you have a limit of how much you can earn and you get past that, you'll sabotage it because of the need to go back to what is familiar. In the same way that if you've never had love and love comes on, you go, I actually don't like this. It makes me feel very vulnerable. I'm not comfortable here. I'm just going to mess that up and go back to being alone because that's safe for me. And so with money, you don't fix money problems with more money. Ask anyone who's got a teenager, keep giving them more money, and they still haven't got anywhere. You fix money issues by looking at why you've blocked yourself. What are your beliefs? Do you believe that you work and work and it slips through your fingers? Did you watch your father getting paid on a Friday and running out by Thursday? Did you watch your dad take antacids every morning because his job gave him an ulcer and you formed a belief you didn't know it that said, working hard can kill you. You know, working like that, the price you pay for money is it ruins your health. And if you believe that, there's the blueprint you're going to make real. And so that you sabotage yourself. And one of my clients told me that her father had a shop and he worked six and every day on a Sunday he'd lie on the sofa with a chronic migraine and she thought, I'd rather be a hippie than go through that. And then she became a hippie with no material goods. And she said, I really hurts me. I, I just can't make money. But she formed this belief that said the price you pay is too high. But that's not true. Or people who say, you know, good people shouldn't have money. Spiritual people shouldn't have money. It's like, well, I think you can help people more with money. Since I became rich, I help more people. For instance, we have a completely free money block program. You can go to marissapeer.com and you can have that. There's no strings attached. In fact, on my website, marissapeer.com, we give away a program on wealth, mm -hmm. on self-esteem, on relationships, on health. I couldn't do that without money. I had to make those, but I had to pay a film crew and an editing crew. Mm -hmm. But I, my clients pay me enough to make stuff to give away. But if I haven't got money, how can I help people? The more you have, the more you get to help people. And there's more than enough to go around. But money beliefs cause people so much pain, so many I problems. I 90%, if not more, stress yeah. is because and around money issues. Yeah, and people get, and they hold on to it so tightly. Oh, and I can't afford it. And, you know, I, was, I worked with a client who's making 40 million sterling a year who worried about running out of money I'm like but you you can't he said I know but I, I'm always worried always turning off the heating and always you know checking the bill and you know I, I flew back with him and he took the bus into London I'm like why are you taking the bus and he said well it's a waste of money to get a cab I said but time is money it's so bizarre that some millionaires won't spend money. But if you hold it that tightly, you now you have an energy that I can't let it go. And it's just energy you should give it away and believe it comes back. And it's just an exchange of services. And you give and receive and receive and give. But if your energy is, I don't know where to find it, well, you don't find it, you earn it by giving what you have a value, putting a value on your gifts and getting value back. Two topics, one is women and one is men. Yes. Uh, why are so many singles out there? Because they're it's scared so of rejection. That's so simple, right. scared of rejection. And you know, 
it's actually got worse because with social media, you go on Facebook, there's someone looking perfect, 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 perfect kids. And you think, oh, I'll never have that. Why even try? You know, and now we have Tinder and all these apps where these people are so gorgeous. It's like being let loose in a candy shop. And people just go next, next, next. But they have the wrong values. You know, your value shouldn't be, is that person the right weight, the right height? Have they got the right label? It should be, is that a real person? Could I grow with that person? Can I be vulnerable with that person? Can I fall in love with their soul? Can they fall in love with mine? And I see so many women who look for the wrong things, superficial, and men too. What does that person look like? I mean, that's great, but that's not going to make you happy. You should be looking at, is this person funny, interesting, intelligent? Will they be there and support me if I'm tired or sick or have a cold? And so I think social media has made people so obsessed with being perfect. I'll find someone when I lose weight. I'll find someone when, I, when I've got a better job. And we keep putting it off. Whereas, you know, our grandparents didn't do that. They didn't go and get, get a bikini wax and everything done. They had no idea what that was. And, but they were much happier because they didn't have this ridiculous... What's the word, barometer? This ridiculous level, this ridiculous level to aspire to. And we've made a whole generation of girls anorexic and believe it, magazines. I mean, they do so much damage. I mean, nice to watch Friends. I mean, I don't know any waitresses that live in Central Park. I mean, you live in Central Park and you look like that every day. You work in a cafe, but you look a perfect. I mean, I know it's just a movie, but... It, it's not good for girls to see that because it's a ridiculous thing to aspire to. That's not sex in the city. You know, those girls always look perfect. They wore Manilow Blanick shoes. Well, they cost like what do they cost? Thousand dollars? How can you buy? You, you know, that's just mad. Um, I know it's it's unreal, but people don't know it's not real, and then they feel always disappointed and dissatisfied. So fear of rejection again. What about well, that's the what, biggest what thing. about men? What is happening to men? There are more men in the house living yeah. with their mothers at yeah. their 40s than yeah. any time in the history. You know, I really feel for men because years ago it was very clear. I'm a man, I get a job and I find a nice partner and we raise the children. Now women can do everything a man can do. They can they can do everything themselves. They don't need men. They don't even need men to have a baby. So because we don't need men, I mean, we do. I mean, I couldn't imagine a world without men. But a lot of men are treated as disposable. I mean, the highest suicide rate, I think, is in New Zealand. And it's uh, teenage boys, um, guys in their early 20s. That's replicated in a lot of the Western world. And I think we've really hurt men. You know, it used to be that women had all these eating disorders like anorexia, but now men have got them too because they have the same problem. Women have had overexposure mm -hmm. to fake perfection and they think they've got to have a six pack and a car. You know, I was listening to this record the other day called Girls Don't Like Boys, Girls Like Cars and Money. You think, what oh, a poor heartbroken kid that wrote that. <laughs> Because it's not true, but we kind of are making that true. We've become so materialistic, so product-driven, that we've made people become products. Mm -hmm. And we don't see the person. Well, that person's got a great soul. We see what they wear. And it's such a shame. And, and that's why there's such a need for I am enough. Because if you knew you're enough, you'd be, and I meet so many guys who say, you know, I had... Every relationship I had failed until I listened to that recording and suddenly I owned who I was and then I had a relationship. And every month, pretty much, I get pictures of engagements and weddings and babies that came up and saying, you know, I was on my own for years. In fact, one girl said to me, it was the weirdest thing happened. I bought your program and I fell in love with a boy next door and he must have been living next to me for five years. I didn't even see him. But I suddenly had this energy 
and we met and we clicked and someone else said that she was just pushing her cart down the store and this guy came up and said, I don't know why, but I just need to talk to you. And they started a date and she said, I don't, what happened? I said, your energy happened. You radiated this belief that you're lovable and people pick it up because people will say, you know, I didn't have a date for three years and I met this guy. The minute I met him, we didn't know if I met another one at the bus stop. And I said, that's because you had an energy of being loved. When you meet someone who says, oh, you're so great. Oh, I love you. I just rang up to hear your voice. You think, yeah, I'm so great. And then other people pick it up. But don't wait for that. If you want love, here's a clue. You've got to believe you're worth it. You've got to know you're lovable. You've got to know you're deserving of it and worthy of it. So, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, we give you recordings that make you know with unshakable conviction that you're lovable. And when you know it, everyone else knows it too. You know, Sting's wife has got a very bad scar on her face. Pierce Brosnan's wife is overweight. Prince Charles left Diana for Camilla. If you want love, you don't need to be a supermodel. There are women all over the world who are kind of average with guys that worship them because you have to believe you're worth it. And if you know you're worth it, you know, look at Marilyn Monroe. Everyone loved her. There's only one person who didn't love Marilyn. We know who that was, don't we? Marilyn. She couldn't love herself. She never felt worth it. It's such a waste. But when you can fall in love with yourself, you're in a lifelong romance that never bores you, never fades away, never disappoints you and makes it so much easier for other people to love you too. And that's really what the I'm Enough product is all about. Fall in love with yourself. It doesn't make you arrogant. It doesn't make you big-headed. It makes you what you were when you were born. Someone who went, I'm lovable. I must be or I wouldn't be here. There isn't a baby born who thinks I'm not lovable. If you put a baby in a closet, it will cry for three days because its belief is, well, Who's coming to meet my needs? Because I'm worth it. And the good thing is you were born with that and you can get it back like that. That's why I made I'm Enough because I wanted to give everyone back to reactivate what you're born with. I mean, you know with your little children, they felt really lovable when they were little, didn't they? They come and say, oh, my friend said I smell. My friend doesn't like me. And they take it all in and it damages them. And you have to go, well, do you like you? Yes, your friend was having a bad day. That's not about you. You're a great kid. You did a bad thing, but you know, good people do bad things. Smart people do dumb things. You're not a bad person, but you did something bad, but that's okay. And then they're happier. But when we call them names, you're bad, you're stupid, you're lazy, you're annoying, mm -hmm. they believe it. I have one final question, and I call it power message or last message. If you only had five seconds to live, yes. what would be the last message you would send to your daughter? I Something would. that she would remember till the rest of her life. Oh, I would say to her, you are lovable and amazing just the way you are. Believe in yourself, and then you give the world permission to believe in you as well. My dear friends, you are lovable. Give permission to yourself, believe in yourself, you are enough. Thank you, Marisa. You. It was great to having you on the show. I'm looking forward to do something with you together. Good. And I hope to meet you soon. If you want more success tips, motivational stories, personal growth advice, incredible personal stories, and other useful life tips, follow me on social media. You can find me as Smilion Mori on Facebook and Instagram and Smilion Mori Warrior Family on YouTube. If you are in the MLM industry, visit my website smillionmori.com and start your six-figure business.